Hello and welcome to the Research OS podcast. We are a global collective of freelance researchers who work in partnership to grow their businesses and develop their craft. We foster knowledge exchange between researchers from all over the world, host networking events and webinars on running a successful research business. If you would like to know more about us, take a look at our website or drop us an email at contact at researchos.com. We would love to chat with you. I am Leandra, the community manager here at ResearchOS, and I will be your host today. We created this podcast to spark interesting discussions with our members and audience about being a freelance researcher, our struggles, learnings and experiences. On our sixth episode, we invited Shesha Gangoli, senior user experience researcher specialized in semiotics and ethnography with a PhD in sociology. She will enlighten us a bit more about ethnography, how it can help shape products and services, its challenges, how the pandemic affected her work, and how she was able to adapt to remotely. Welcome, Shisha, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Thank you so much uh, for having me here today. You're welcome. Uh, so first, could you please let our audience know a bit more about you, your background, the work you do, and who you are? Yeah, you did give a bit, quite a bit away, So, but I still recap that, in fact. Um, so I actually, yeah, I, I started off with a PhD in sociology in 2009, and uh, I was... Um, kind of figuring out how to kind of apply the theories and the stuff that I was reading in school uh, to, you know, work outside, to understanding society. And that's where I joined um, Quantum uh, Consumer Solutions and for with, as, as an ethnographer. So, and that's where actually this whole journey began of applying, uh, applying, uh, you know, anthropology and as well as uh, applying uh, anthropological theories and ethnography to, uh, you know, business goals and business, um, uh, you know, like objectives. And that's how I um, went on to, you know, work in other companies as well. And uh, currently, I'm actually working as a senior UX researcher uh, with Least Plan Digital. Excellent. Nice. Interesting background. Um, so I understand that you have a particular view of what ethnography is. Could you share that with us, please? Ah, yeah, that's actually something that I have, uh, you know, of course, as I told you, my the beginning of this line of work, uh, you know, in either market research or UX research was uh, through ethnography. And I started off as an ethnographer. So for me, that method, that methodology is actually something I really um, am very passionate about. And I, if you would understand, I use the word methodology and not a method. Uh, well, and that's where actually uh, my understanding of uh, ethnography lies. For me, it is a methodology. It is not a method. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of uh, uh, you know, it's a way that of thinking that is employed in social sciences dis discourses to unearth the relationship between the context, which is can be either social, cultural, physical, and the person. 
and that is that is the key difference and which is what uh, even now i feel uh, a lot of people tend to uh, say ethnography as a method because they kind of see it as synonymous with participant observation but uh, ethnography is much more than that and it's it's basically a discipline in social sciences which train uh, people to think about um, uh, you know think about their subjects or the people that they are studying within the context uh, that they operate in and how does that affect their behavior their mentality so uh, and it is it is basically it has gone in hand in hand with uh, other disciplines other theories other ways of thinking and has pushed the boundaries of uh, anthropology and sociology towards other uh, aspects so uh, and you know like earlier when we used to see uh, you know ethnography it was almost like the picture of uh, you know this white man sitting with you know uh, you know a uh, tribe tribal people and you know using that method to uh, you know understand who they are but uh, as more and more things have evolved the discipline has progressed from simply seeing others as different to seeing people as closer to us in order to better understand uh, cultural differences and that's where the idea is of ethnography today that it's no longer us versus them it is no longer uh, the methods that you uh, uh, that you employ to study the other but it's actually like um, it's a, it's a, it's for me it's a collaborative exercise it's a way in which the researcher as well as the researched becomes collaborators in the field like co-conspirators in knowledge creation so thereby making the person that you're studying here who can be the consumer who can be the user of a product be uninhibited and unadulterated as i would say wow that's a quite a fascinating uh, point of view i really liked it um, thank you and beautiful as well that this collaboration part uh, yeah it's something that i've never heard before it's always uh, people always pose themselves as distant you know distant observers and not the part of the process and not engaging with uh, people they are researching about and yeah quite fascinating yeah that's definitely comes from very uh, you know uh, a lot of those methods in qualitative research which is always to do with listening to others which is a very integral part as well you know because uh, you know you kind of people say stuff which are uh, you know postured or projected and you know they but these are important aspects of people's behavior also because what they're trying to portray about themselves through their words through their uh, you know statements also build up to this characteristic that we are trying to create about uh, you know the user or the consumer so and but where ethnography comes in and uh, is basically like a lot of you know like my clients you know often complain that real consumer behavior is not always consistent with the stated reactions of you know consumers in focus groups so and that's where ethnography comes in that's where ethnography is thought to break through this clutter of projections and accepts that real lived truth of you know behavior and uh, that's that's where you know uh, it comes in and that's how uh, it has evolved as well 
so but I, I and i would always say that it is not one or the other it always works in tandem with each other uh, so it works at different cycles and different stages of the you know life cycle of a brand uh, as such good good to know right? uh, and what fascinates you most about ethnography oh i think the best part about ethnography is you know the myriad of there are actually two things so the uh, myriad of kind of uh, methods that you can use as i said before uh, a lot of people kind of confuse ethnography with participant observation but i would like to clarify here is that it is uh, it is much more than just one method because you can actually use anything and everything under the sun to actually understand the uh, the person who you are trying to you know you know portray so uh, uh, it can be it can be uh, you know whatsapp diary method or it can be uh, as i said participant observation and it can be a fly in the wall method it can be much 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 more than that so that's definitely one aspect about ethnography that i really like because it really pushes you to think about new methods new ways of you know uh, getting to know the person and sometimes these methods are actually improvised on the ground itself but i think the other aspect that i really love and i think that comes from my own need for stories and you know like a storytelling aspect about it uh is that you know you really delve into people's lives and see how they how they how they live how they operate i have traveled all over from um you know visiting shepherds villages in china to understand how they are using water to even going all across uh, you know to uh, you know spain where people how to understand how people are using cars so i think that's uh, something that i really love uh, doing so that's that's definitely a biggest like a big perk of being an ethnographer along with my job <laughs> wow quite an interesting uh, range of projects and uh, different uh, in different areas wow uh, that must have been an, an amazing experience going to yeah. china and small villages and yeah um, fascinating <laughs> do you usually uh, think beforehand what types of techniques or or methods would you like to use for a specific project or you also improvise along the way as you discover new things no i yeah there are definitely certain set aspects about uh, you know like ethnography like set uh, you know methods so uh, some things like as i said participant observations which is much more than observations and i said and i stress on the word participant and it is a very uh, if you if you if i would uh, give it a weightage i would say 70% of uh, most of ethnography can be achieved through participant observations uh, again i'm taking this stance uh, only from my own experience but i'm sure a lot of people might even uh, criticize that uh but uh, in terms of um participant observations it's an extremely important uh, method uh this is actually a method where people start um you know getting involved like an ethnographer gets involved in their life uh, in the life of the user uh right from uh you know spending hours and hours with the person 
in their homes in their natural environments and understanding how they use products how they uh, how they approach products actually but apart from that we also have a lot of other uh, methods as well like group cultural discussions they are more or less like focus group uh, focus group discussions but the idea over here is to make it more free flowing more like as if you are sitting around with a beer in your hand and talking about a certain subject uh, or uh, you know having photo and video diaries which have really become very important and i will touch upon that later as well um and as well as say for example generational family interviews or peer interviews as well where you where i would pair two friends together and talk to them about a particular aspect of their lives uh journeys become really important the journeys being like how they have evolved from one particular uh, uh you know um uh, one particular product to another or how they got introduced to the product and how they have evolved with that and i think these are various different methods as well as approaches uh in in ethnographic research that i have adopted uh you know over the course of these 10 years my next question would be what tools and techniques did you use to uh to conduct ethnograph ethnographic research before and after the pandemic how did that change for you so as i always said that uh you know the 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 fallacy like a lot of people fall into when uh when we talk about ethnography is that we always uh, equate that to participant observation to that that method and that's uh, even though it is a really important method nothing beats participant observations but again i'm saying it is it's an it's as it's an approach right it's a way of understanding people's context it's a way of understanding who they are through their social and cultural and physical context uh and thereby adapting to the pandemic uh, yes of course in the first initial few months it was very difficult but uh, uh you know technology definitely helped a lot so there were two aspects that i really adopted while i uh while i practiced um, you know ethnography in in um the last one and a half years uh was that firstly i used um camera phones so we all have cameras everybody has mobiles everybody has um you know like uh, some sort of camera which is always on them and people have got much more used to uh you know um capturing videos or capturing you know photographs of their lives daily lives as such thanks to tiktok thanks to instagram so i i kind of leverage that to help you know to see how they could um use uh, that in you know getting me a peek into their lives so for example i would give them um say a uh, subject matter and ask them to send me photographs or videos of them uh, doing that kind of thing for example i would ask them uh, what about your food habits that you have through the day it's a very very open and it would be it was really surprising that a lot of people actually took that upon themselves to you know even you know give uh, videos of them eating across a dining table over breakfast and the kind of discussions that they have during that time uh of course it is it is uh, it is not the same as being in the same table <laughs> as they are 
but uh, it definitely helped uh, technology definitely helped to bridge that gap when i could not be with them at that time the other aspect uh, which i really employed and that was connected to uh, to using the camera uh, very liberally was a video or a video or a photographic diary method and that i would be you know engaging with them either through whatsapp or through any other platform which would enable me to do this um say discount or something which would help me in doing to uh, enable them to uh, make video diaries as well as photographic diaries about different subject matters over the course of two or three weeks and send that across to me it's a lot of things to it definitely data management became a huge a uh, huge concern uh, post pandemic because not only did i have all the uh, you know over uh, zoom conversations that i had but also this whole you know basket load of photographs uh, more or less similar to uh, what you would be doing in a in an ethnographic uh, you know like participant observation method but not the same yeah, the, the ethnographer's role has to change then i guess And regarding an example about uh, the dinner table, uh, do you think this affected how uh, maybe slightly how people behave? Because, for example, if you are there present with them at the table, they might uh, behave in a different way, more I don't know, more polished way, a more polite way, because they are they know they have somebody watching them. But for example, when you set up a camera. on on the corner and then at some point i don't know 10 minutes later you forget about the camera and then you start really uh behaving like you normally do do you think this affected uh, the you know the research the ethnographic research somehow you know it is it is it is a very interesting question that you have just asked because this is something that an ethnographer has already had already started asking him or herself you know even before the pandemic started because the idea of the ethnographer is to basically integrate yourself so much and you know uh, put yourself as they say put yourself in the shoes of the person so much that the other uh, you know the user does not find you to be any different from uh, from the environment so of course you know there are a lot of techniques to do that and uh, the first challenge an ethnographer always faces in real life is to uh, you know uh, make himself or herself like one of the crowd or you know birds of a feather uh, camouflage uh, camouflaging techniques to make yourself feel one of the environment so even before the pandemic we did definitely you know uh, deal with a lot of uh, techniques of photography we thought that you know having gopros having videos could actually help bridge this gap but you know at one uh, so definitely the pandemic uh, there was a plus point to that that you know you have uh, you have the camera just being there people do forget about it uh, quite often but you know at at the other hand i would say that there was an aspect that was lost because uh, when you are yourself in the environment yes of course you know they do change but it definitely depends on the technique of uh, the ethnographer to kind of uh, you know uh, make their presence not so conspicuous 
so if we keep that aside the on ground observations are definitely much more important and that's an aspect that however much you have uh, you know like uh, you know cameras or however many however many times you might speak to the person you do lose out that sense uh of course in the pandemic there is as much as you can do without them without yourself being there uh we could get a sense of uh the users and what they are doing with the products how they are doing it uh but nothing beats you know face to face interaction for sure okay thank you um could you tell us a bit what how ethnography differs from ux research for example ah that's an interesting thing because that's the evolution of an i had to do over the last uh 3 to 4 years um and i again and then i again say you know the ux uh, uh research user experience research or user research that they would call it is basically uh you know another name for you know a research aspect you know you do have uh it's what i would say is that ethnography is definitely adds the tools to ux research but ux research has a much more bigger aspect to it because you have to kind of uh, there is a orientation change uh, as such you know when you are thinking about design strategy design thinking when you are looking into uh, ux research as such ethnography uh, you know it definitely as i said it definitely helps in the in the orientation that you know you are looking at a context when you are looking at a product right so ux research is what what is ux research ux research is all about um uh, you know how people are using a particular product right or how people are using a particular you know uh, website as such and ethnography in a way is to understand the context so it's actually a method that helps you and i'm using the word method but uh, as i would say it's the orientation that you would use in a ux research when you want to place your product usage within a context so within a social context so in that way it is not wholly different of course there are aspects to it which are much more complex like uh thinking uh you know uh you have to have a lot of other aspects like design thinking or design strategy in mind when you are dealing with ux research but ethnography helps you to kind of uh orient people in how they are using a uh, you know uh how how people are using their products in the context that they live in so okay great and um regarding your experiences so far do yeah. you usually get surprised with the insights you identify or is it common that your assumptions come true sometimes oh my gosh uh no no assumptions uh you know almost all the time you know uh go out of the window <laughs> no but that's an exaggeration it's uh, to be honest uh, we do go with a lot of hypotheses and that's how our 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 research works right we always go with a bit of hypotheses but uh the you know what happens uh in uh in 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 ethnography is that you know because you're basing yourself in the context of that person uh a lot comes from your grounded data it a lot comes from actually observing observing the data 
I'll give you an example of this, uh, you know, um, a project that I did like ages ago, 10 years ago. So um, uh, it was to do with water conservation or, you know, resource conservation in an Indian village. And uh, we were not able to understand uh, a lot about, you know, they were obviously talking about how much, uh, how much water they are carrying from the well and, or from the, you know, the local uh, water source and how they are optimizing on water, uh, you know, usage during their household uh, aspect, household, uh, you know, like uh, activities. But what actually was the clincher when it came to, you know, resource conservation and how they approach conservation as such? is that we, uh, I, I saw a particular product over there, which was, it was a beautiful handcrafted, uh, uh, you know, dish. And it, when I looked at it even more closely, I saw that it was actually made of um, crisp wrappers, you know, the potato chips crisp wrappers that you get, which are very shiny and thick. Uh, and they actually stripped that and uh, made that into, uh, you know, some handcrafted dish. That, that product actually gave me an insight into their beliefs and their thoughts about conservation much more than their, you know, said, uh, 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 you know, said behavior about how they're doing, going around their tasks. Because when they look at products, when they look at things, they are actually spending a lot of money in it. Uh, like, for example, a bar of soap or, a, you know, something that uh, uh, or anything else that might help them in their in their daily chores. But to throw with a wrapper, uh, that itself was uh, considered to be not great. And that actually connected back to even their other activities where every aspect of their farm life is uh, used. The husks are used, the corn is used, something or the other is almost always recycling. So from that small uh, dish, I actually got into a peak of how actually they think about cons uh, you know, conservation and resource management, which made a huge difference in the way we designed the product for them at the end of the day. Well, that requires such... Uh, a high level of detailed observation, doesn't it? Yeah, branding dish, <laughs> dish over a, a, t a table or a shelf. I don't know, and then get so much insight from just one object. That that is amazing. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was quite a quite a good one, and yeah, everybody was very happy with it. I would say. <laughs> I can imagine. And well, my next question would be, uh, can you tell us uh, what is the most interesting project you did so far? But if you think that one it's, it's one of them, we can we can just move on. Oh, oh my God, there's so many. And uh, I think, uh, you know, definitely one of the most interesting ones. I've already mentioned the China project, in, uh, you know, a peek into a culture which is similar to Indian culture, but yet not similar. And it's, it was so interesting to do that project. But uh, my, my, my favorite, uh, my, I'm a foodie. I love to eat food and I love, you know, researching on food. So one of those most interesting projects that I did was on um, understanding food habits uh, amongst um, new 
age cohorts in India. You know, like uh, people who are, um, uh, for example, staying alone without family, single people who are staying alone. And that's, uh, you know, a, a growing cohort, which is, you know, uh, definitely, you know, needs to be seen as a separate, uh, you know, like a cultural group altogether. And to understand their food habits, it was so much of fun, you know, because you're actually kind of going both uh, as yourself as well as, under, you know, as an ethnographer as well. So I think, and of course, the number of foods that you get to have, all the improvisation that you can, uh, then that a single person can actually make do with leftover food to, uh, you know, uh, using as less resources as possible or as less effort as possible definitely gave a lot of insights on different product ideas for this food production company. And I bet you could learn a lot of uh, good recipes as well, of couldn't course, you? Of course, of <laughs> course. <laughs> and what was the most challenging project you have done so far? Um, well, actually, it was... Uh, and that's something that I, I still remember and it's, it took a lot of mental uh, strength to do that pro kind of project was um, uh, I was uh, to understand how people are using colostomy bags. Uh, just as an un uh, understanding, colostomy bags are, you know, those which are used by people who have suffered from stomach cancer. And uh, I needed to understand how they are using it and to forget about the observation of this kind of, uh, you know, uh, behavior, which is, which is so private, right? But uh, on top of that, we, I was talking to people who have suffered and or are going, you know, are terminal. So it was... It was one of the most challenging projects that I've ever done. It was very, very initial days of my career. Um, you know, it's been 10 years almost again uh, before, uh, you know, I've, since I've done that project. But it was so, so difficult to uh, keep aside your emotions and talk to the person uh, and uh, understand from where they're coming from, understand how they would approach you know this this behavior so yeah that that definitely was a very challenging exercise and how was the interaction with people were they open to to share or did you have to build this relationship first to, to then get to talk to them about this specific subject i remember that you know we had to kind of i had to actually uh, go to the person three or four times because it is not always, forget about that behavior. It is a very difficult uh, behavior to talk about, practice to talk about. So to build up that trust, as you said, I needed to, you know, we uh, go to them at least a couple of times. Um, but also using nonverbal um, techniques also helped. Uh, for example, asking them to draw. It is much more it communicated much more than um, than their verbal cues or the you know their words because um, in drawing you know and then using semiotics uh, to um, you know decipher those drawings, I got to know a lot about how they would like to 
use that uh, product uh, as such and how they would want people around them to see that product as well. So I think that was an interesting aspect that I use. As I said, you sometimes need to think on your feet when you are, uh, when you, are uh, you know, interacting in, 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 in an ethnography. So, yeah, that was actually something uh, quite, a, quite a challenging exercise for sure. I can imagine. And any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Ah, I would say like uh, being an ethnographer is, I think, um, an amazing exercise. And uh, the, the one thing that I would definitely leave behind with my listeners is that always, always think from, uh, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the other person. It, it seems a very, very generic thing to say, but I have seen a lot of people struggling with that. It is very, very difficult to leave behind what, you, uh, what your preconceptions are, what your approach to that product uh, might be. Uh, it's very difficult for some, you know, to do that. And I think practice makes it perfect. So I wouldn't say that, you know, I was, uh, I was doing that right in the beginning of my career as well. So it's always, uh, I think, more interaction, leaving behind your preconceptions, leaving behind your own knowledge of the product uh, definitely would help uh, for, uh, yeah, being a great ethnographer. I couldn't agree more. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today. And please pe let people know how they can reach out if they want to connect with you. Yeah, thank you so much for this platform. It is amazing. Uh, and uh, to talk to you today about my previous experiences, about my thoughts about ethnography. And definitely, if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm on LinkedIn, my, um, uh, you know, association of Anguli. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Okay. Uh, if you would like to deepen this conversation and join ResearchOS, apply for a membership at our website, researchos.com, or send us an email at contact at researchos.com. See you next time.